Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello and welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Hello. Sabbath morning. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. Sabbath morning. Um, Katie, I had something to tell you that I just thought of as I was just telling you five minutes ago that my memory is shit. Just thought about this. <laughs> What is it? (laughs) You know, I think it was the last episode that you posted. We were chatting about our reunion in London, Uh talking about the curry. Um, (laughs) So one of our listeners, and you know who, um, she reached out to me today to be like, oh, I'm going to be in London and I'm just listening to that podcast episode about, you know, you and Katie and your reunion in London, can you tell me about the curry place? Like, what were the deets? Because I want to get to that curry, like, when I'm over in, in London. So it made me giggle because it's this little hole in the wall. And now it's like, you know, word on the street in the podcast <laughs> realm. So everyone. We, <laughs> we gave them free advertising. You're welcome. <laughs> did. And it also made me giggle because we literally last night were like, Greg and I were like, oh, let's get E12 for Friday. And so who knows? Maybe I'll run into this listener tomorrow getting takeout from uh, <gasps> the best curry in London. That would be amazing. <laughs> Uh, now I want some curry Uh, okay we're done bye everybody I'm going to go get curry end of episode bye bye bitches no Um, I want to give some shout outs to some new patrons woo woo uh, new patron Elizabeth with an S. Hi Elizabeth. Oh, I saw that and I was like, "Woo, Elizabeth, you're fancy with an S." I love it. Welcome, thank you. Uh, welcome to Brayden. Hi Brayden, thank you so much for joining us. Hello Brayden. And uh, also to Rebecca. Hi Rebecca, welcome. Thank you. Welcome all. Rebecca. Yeah, thank you for joining us on Patreon. Patreon is so much fun. You can see videos over there, lots of extra bonus content. I do response uh, episodes to like other like Mormon influencers and stuff. So yeah, if you want to join us over there, it's patreon.com slash not so Molly Mormon. Check it out. Katie is slaying it with the extra content. I am slacking these days, but Katie is totally stepped up and she's posting a lot of really fun content, which I sometimes am like surprised by because she just is on it on top of it. And I get the messages. I'm like, Ooh, I haven't even seen this. It's like <laughs> bonus material for me. So you guys, oh. check it out. first of all, Sarah's not slacking because <laughs> she's pregnant. She's in her third trimester and she needs to have some time to grow a human. So let's just make that clear. She is not slacking. <laughs> I think it's more, it's like growing a human slash every other day is a hormonal breakdown. So content would not be as fun on Patreon if I was there. So hands, hands up and, and a round of applause for Katie. But definitely oh. go check it out. It's some really fun stuff. And I've had the opportunity to watch some of it myself. And it was a surprise. So it was oh. good. Go check Glad it out. Glad you liked it. Um, by the time this airs, I do want to say that Pioneer Day will have passed and just a big fuck off to Pioneer Day is all I want to say about that. (laughs) I just, yeah. Did you ever celebrate, or I guess not celebrate, but were you ever in Utah for Pioneer Day in July? 
Yeah, and I I'm not gonna lie, I didn't really understand what it what it meant other than obviously like the pioneers, but I didn't, you know, at that time I wasn't looking into it for the actual <laughs> reason of Pioneer Day, which is horrible. And Katie yeah. posted, you know, the the memes the other day in our story that explain a bit more about it or tell the truth about what that day actually means. But I never celebrated. I just knew you got an extra day off. But I I think maybe one day. Is there like a parade or something that happens? Yeah. Okay. There's like a big a big Pioneer Day parade. It's yeah. The Mormons people in Utah celebrate their history of when the Mormons came to Utah, but. In reality, it's Mormons coming over and <clears throat> killing indigenous people. So, yeah. not something to celebrate. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. And it also makes you feel shitty if, like, for, I always found it, even as a Mormon, a bit problematic. Because I'm like, well, what about the people who aren't Mormon? It seems a bit weird to have a state, like, holiday that's exclusive just for this religion and, like, group of people who are, like, I don't know, it just felt like. That is weird. It's bizarre, like, in, yeah. you know, excluding the rest of the people in the state of Utah who don't practice yeah. Mormonism or who aren't, or the Mormons who don't have pioneer ancestry. <laughs> I don't know. I just never, I felt like it was a very uh, elitist, like, oh, we're pioneers and we have pioneer ancestry, so let's celebrate on Pioneer Day. And if you don't get it or if you're not part of that, it's like, mm. Hmm. Yeah, wow. that's a great point. It's yeah, because mm, there's so many problems with it, and it is very elitist. You're right, and yeah. weird that it's a state holiday. Like, what? yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, moving right along, I think we can just get into the topic now, which Sarah doesn't have any idea what it is. Uh, it's a total I... surprise. I'm so excited. It's a total surprise. It shouldn't really be because Katie gave me an option of two topics last time and she picked that one. And then she said, okay, the next one will do the other topic, but I don't remember what the other topic <laughs> I think it works out perfectly that you don't remember. And um, <laughs> also this is a little bit different than what I said to you. So you wouldn't have known anyway. Um, I, I, I did a poll on, on Patreon, like I said last week, and this came up as one of the topics most requested. But, I mean, this is under an umbrella of one of those topics. So we, uh, we've we been talking a lot about, like, you know, people have been watching Under the Banner of Heaven, and we watched the Warren Jeffs documentary a lot about, like, Joseph Smith and that history. Mm-hmm. And so one of the topic ideas was, like, let's dive deeper into Joseph Smith's wives. And mm-hmm. I decided that was... That was what they voted on. And I decided to actually focus a whole episode on one of his wives that I knew nothing about. Because, of course, we only know about Emma in the Mormon church, right? Ooh, okay. I'm so excited about this. Okay. <laughs> so, and this also reminded me. So, we act, we have a patron uh, that goes by Sephronia. <gasps> and that's, that's, yeah, that's not her real name, she told us. But, um. She chose that name on Patreon because that was one of Joseph Smith's wives. And you never hear about his wives or even like their interesting names that are passed on through Mormon heritage. But everyone names their sons after like Mormon names, but they don't name their daughters after Mormon names because the women aren't well known in Mormon history. That is such a good point. I don't know of any 
Mormon women names besides Emma, but like if you tell me, oh, what's a Mormon dude name? I could be like Joseph, Hiram, Alma, Moroni, Nephi, like all the men. And yeah, but I can't can't tell you any of the women. No, the women's names aren't passed on because guess what? Women aren't important in the Mormon church. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you today about Zena. Diantha Huntington Jacobs Smith Young. Yes. What a name, Zena. Isn't that name cute, Zena? Love it. I think it's so cute. It's spelled Z-I-N-A. Okay. Zena Huntington was born on January 31st, 1821 in Watertown, New York. Her father's family was descended from Puritan Simon Huntington, who died at sea in 1633 on the voyage to America. As a young girl, as a young girl, she was taught household skills such as spinning, soap making, and weaving. And <laughs> she received a basic education, so you know, uh, hashtag #progressive, I guess. And Jesus. she. She developed musical talent by learning to play the cello. So she wasn't Mormon yet, um, but doesn't this sound familiar to like what we were taught in Young Women's? Like develop, develop a musical skill, learn how to sew, like let's learn how to make soap for some reason. (laughs) Develop your special talents. And there were always these talents that you're like, when am I ever going to use this in the real world? Yeah, like, I love a good soap, but am I gonna make my soap? Maybe, probably it's not. Probably not. It's it cool when people do, but like most of us don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, religion had always been important to Zena's parents, and as a youth during the Great Awakening, Zena grew up in a home where matters of spiritual importance were consistently included in her family dialogue. So really similar to like Joseph Smith's family and everyone around them at this time, everyone thought that they were like going to find the one true church or whatever. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I prayed and I got a revelation. I prayed and I got a revelation. And then for some reason, J dogs is the one that was real. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This was the most believable, which makes you think, what were the other ones that were going around? Are they talking about, yeah, they're probably saying, like, animals came and talked to them and said they were Jesus or something, you know? They were all just, whoa, they were just tripping. I'm going to go with the guy who puts his head in the hat. That seems more realistic. (laughs) The head in the hat is more believable than the talking moose, I guess. Okay. (laughs) Um, Her parents had long been searching for a church they believed to be true when, in 1835, her family was contacted by... Hiram Smith and Dave oh. Whitmer. Again, like you just said, Hiram, that's a yep. classic Mormon name. Hiram Smith is Joseph's brother for anyone who doesn't know. They were contacted by Hiram Smith and David Whitmer, who were missionaries for the Church Lord. of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. So w- with the exception of her oldest brother, her entire family joined the church Zena was baptized by Hiram Smith on August 1st, 1835, at the age of 14. She was then confirmed by uh, Hiram Smith and Whitmer, after which she recorded supposedly speaking in tongues. What? I thought Mormons didn't do that, that that was only like, quote, crazy Baptist 
who speak in tongues. Right. So I had to pause here to talk about speaking in tongues for a little bit because I always thought this was really interesting and like bizarre kind of. So Mm -hmm. I, I went to the church's website, haters for anyone who's hating, you can find this on the church's website. Um, This is literally a direct, what they directly say about it. It's kind of a longer passage, but I thought it was interesting and I wanted to get your take on it. So, so yeah, imagine this, this 14 year old girl, she gets baptized and then they confirm her, put their hands on her head and give her a blessing. And then she starts speaking in tongues. I would be kind of scared. I'd be like, is it going to be the exorcism in here? (laughs) I'm like, can I get a bucket before you throw up? Because I really don't want to clean everything right now. Yeah. Pause. Pause. Um, Okay. So according to the church's website, speaking in tongues was mentioned in revelations to Joseph Smith as one of the many gifts of the spirit that follow those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Early Latter-day Saints experienced this gift in two ways. The first speaking or singing in an unknown language is is sometimes called glossal glossolalia that's a weird word glossolalia i think is how you say it so just imagine like someone speaking or singing in gibberish and they're like whoa that person whoa, whoa, whoa. i have so many comments to make but i'll wait until you do the second definition okay Uh, This form of of spiritual expression was understood to have originated in the time of Paul and was typically followed by an inspired interpretation. And the second way church members experienced the gift of tongues was preaching the gospel in a language foreign to the speaker, but familiar to his or her listeners. And this practice is known as xenoglossia. Okay, so here's the thing. (laughs) This makes me so annoyed. I'm so glad that you read this straight from the church's website, because if we get haters, any any haters, we can just be like, look, it's literally on the church's website. We're not Uh making this shit up. It's on the church's website. But when I was growing up, and maybe it was just something that was in the South, but that was always taught in the Mormon church in, in like my branches or in the stake, like anywhere was that that was the big one big difference between the Mormon church and those who were like, you know, Southern Baptists or uh, evangelicals, like anything that was like, ex- quote unquote, extreme where they speak in tongues and roll their eyes in the back of their head and blah, blah, blah. Mormons would be like, we don't do that. And when we, we interpret the, or God told us that this gift of God, the tongues was just like, you could understand different languages. If someone was speaking to you in like say French or Spanish and you didn't know a word, if it was about the gospel or if the Lord like inspired you to talk to them, then you would miraculously know how to speak in that language or understand. And that's what we meant by the gift of tongues. Mm-hmm. So I have never in the 27 or 28 years of being a Mormon heard the other way. Like I was always taught that's what separates us from the rest of Christians. Uh-huh. Even that. Uh-huh. That was that same. I mean, same uh-huh. for me. Yeah. And they never teach that it was the, the Mormons literally did what they claim is not the right way. Now they did it in early Joseph Smith days. They would yell gibberish and sing gibberish and all of that. (laughs) It's so hypocritical. It just pisses me off so much because again, it's something that 
we aren't taught and then they but then they hide behind like well it's always been there it's on the you know church what like website and resources but it's like yeah but that's that's so gaslighting that you don't talk about it you never like unless someone were to come across that in the church resources they would never know and we're just no. taught to not to, to basically know the opposite yeah you have to go digging for this to find it it's not taught just like in church you know um so a little bit more about the gift of tongue just because it's really interesting and funny and annoying to me um so for example at a meeting in 1835 elizabeth ann whitney received a blessing from church patriarch joseph smith senior in which she was promised quote the gift of singing inspirationally during the meeting whitney arose and began singing in an unknown language filled with the holy spirit parley p pratt interpreted her song for others this is the interpretation so she's she's standing there singing gibberish and he's like okay look i'm gonna interpret this this is what she's saying (laughs) in ancient days yeah in ancient days there lived a man amidst a pleasant garden where lovely flowers immortal bloomed and shed around a rich perfume behold his name was adam (laughs) and joseph (laughs) joseph smith senior believed that whitney sang in quote the pure language of heaven. So apparently they have a weird gibberish language in heaven now. Uh, it's like Elvish. It's like Lord of the Rings shit. Like they're just like <laughs> making up random, like a whole different language and being like, oh, don't worry, I can interpret that. And it's like, no, you can't because it's not a real language. It's nothing. You're just making up shit. <laughs> yeah, they, you're just performing. Um, Brigham Young regarded speaking in tongues as a spiritually electrifying experience and an important part of his conversion to Mormonism. Um, and from the beginning, Latter- this is still from the church's website, by the way. From the beginning, Latter-day Saints accepted the spiritual gift of speaking in foreign languages as an aid to the spread of the gospel. So this is where they're kind of twisting it into what they believe now, like what you were saying. Um Revelations of Joseph Smith promised missionaries this gift, and many reported miraculous experiences preaching the gospel in unfamiliar languages. As a 23-year-old missionary in Hawaii in 1850, George Q. Cannon worked hard to learn Hawaiian so he could preach, exercising faith before the Lord to obtain the gift of talking and understanding the language. He recalled that one evening while teaching, he, quote, felt a peculiar sensation in my ears, and from that time forward, (laughs) I... From that time forward, I had but little, if any, difficulty in understanding what the people said. I just, it's so stupid because it it says he learned, he he studied to learn Hawaiian. And then when he understands it, he's like, oh, that's the gift of tongues. It wasn't just you learning the language. It was the gift of tongues. (laughs) That's what drives me crazy. And it's also, it's really bad, I think, for missionaries and why quite a few of them struggle with like mental health while they're on their mission because it's like they're they're sent to the mtc to learn a language in a really short amount of time and it's only gospel related language so it's just Mm -hmm. about like lessons and like mormon church stuff so like the everyday language is quite basic but some people learn languages really fast and or it's easy for them. And a lot of people, it's not, it's a struggle. So then they go out into the quote unquote field and start <laughs> proselyting to people. You know, they're told that if they're not speaking the language perfectly, or if there's not that connection, 
it's basically due to their righteousness. Like they're not praying or fasting or studying enough to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's and, just, it could be really exhausting and just like tough on anyone who's doing that. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you, you read things like this on the church's website that has now, it twisted it to mean that second meaning. Like, so now we regard gift of tongues as you can speak and understand in a different language. But like, like Sarah just said, what if you can't? Then it's like, oh, I didn't get this spiritual gift. Why? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So that was the gift of tongues. I had to just do a little sidebar on that because I thought I love it. I don't think we've ever gone into that. So I think that's really fascinating. <laughs> okay, back to Zena. Uh, so she's been baptized. Oh, warrior princess. I know, right? If only. <laughs> um, in October of 1836, after receiving advice from Joseph Smith Sr., Zena's father sold their property and relocated to the church's headquarters in Kirtland, Ohio. Of course they did. They, you're just told to sell your home and move, so you do. It's a cult. Listen, if any of you guys out there are still questioning whether or not Mormonism was a cult, there's your sign. If a religion ever asks you to sell your possessions and your home and everything like that for the, the cause of whatever religion they're trying to sell, you're in a cult. Like you uh-huh. have to, to sell your shit, relocate your family, make all these sacrifices for religion. No, never. So in Kirtland, she participated as a member of the Kirtland Temple Choir. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you were ever in the choir in church. <laughs> um... I don't think so. I think I was always asked, especially in Berlin, and I was like, "No, I don't sing. Like, I, I'm just, I don't." Except Maybe. for those, except for those times you did the duet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was just gonna say. Is like, I think in my branch growing up, I might have been a part of the choir because there were like four of us, and I was forced to be. <laughs> <laughs> and singing little duets where it's like you can barely hear my voice because I'm like, oh, this is so cute. I love it. <laughs> oh, okay. So 19 months later, her family moved again to far west Missouri with the rest of the Mormons. They the arrived. Eden. Yes, that's where it is. You know the place. Yeah. <laughs> they arrived in Far West at a time of violence between Missouri residents and the newly arrived Mormons. Again, we've we've covered this. We know why there was violence because Mormons were like invading and being just, yeah, just terrible. After after Missouri Governor Lilburn Boggs issued the extermination order, Zena's father helped coordinate the evacuation of church members to Illinois. So in 1839, when she was 18 years old, there was a cholera epidemic in Nauvoo. Zena and her mother became ill, and her mother died. Aww. But Zena recovered after receiving care in the home of Joseph and Emma Smith. Do we see oh, where no. this is going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. No. Yeah, so she was being nursed back to health. Her poor mother had passed away, and so she was being nursed back to health in Emma Smith's home. And J-Dog had, like, tasked Emma and one of his daughters to take care of young Zena. And she grew close to the family, as you would. And then... Okay. Zena received her endowment in the Nauvoo Temple, and she Wait, also. How old was she again? I think she was eighteen. Okay. 
She also joined the Relief Society at its first ever meeting on March 24th, 1842. Run away, Zena, no! Relief Society! <laughs> lucky, lucky girl. Release the okay. first ever Relief well, Society. <laughs> lucky. <laughs> so Zena recorded in her autobiography that she was courted by Henry Bailey Jacobs when she was 18 years old. Um... So she was dating this Henry man. And also during this time, Joseph Smith was coming to her and teaching her about plural marriage in private. Okay, so that's already very inappropriate. Okay. He proposed that she become his spiritual wife on at least three different occasions. And she declined every time. And she said she declined because she had respect for Emma, because she had gone, gotten close to Emma, and she had respect for traditional Christian monogamy, and she didn't want to, like, keep this secret from Emma. Like, so that alone is sketchy enough. He's coming to this 18-year-old and being like, hey, marry me in private. Just don't tell my wife. And she's like, no. Right? It doesn't that give you the heebie-jeebies? It's so gross. It makes me so creeped out. It's 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 grooming as well. Like he's going yeah. to her in private. He's saying like, you know, I'm the prophet of this church. I'm the mouthpiece of God. Like using his quote-unquote powers to like persuade her and be like, oh, let's let's get married in secret and private. Like, mm-hmm. good on Zena for like saying no or refusing in the beginning. Like mm-hmm. I, that's. And, Three times. Like, can you imagine someone pestering you three times to get married in secret? I'd be like, fuck right off. For real. <laughs> I wouldn't even say kindly fuck off. I'd be like, leave me alone. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So on March 7th, 1841, Zena married Henry Jacobs and she was kind of, she was relieved. She thought that this would avoid future proposals from J-Dog. As, as you would think, it's like, well, I'm married now. I'm quote unquote taken by a man now. You can't just keep hounding me to be your wife. Yeah, exactly. Um, her journal from the day of the wedding reads, I was married to Mr. Henry Bailey Jacobs. He had been a missionary preaching the gospel for some time. His father, Henry Jacobs, was one of the first elders in the church, faithful and true until the last. That's what she said about her wedding day, which kind of made me sad. It was like, <laughs> oh, he, he was a missionary and his father was an elder in the church, so he seems good enough. <laughs> he seems great. I bet their wedding night was like real kinky. Oh, God, why? Sarah, no. <laughs> No, it's not. Oh, that's so sad. That's your wedding day journal entry. That's like a a, a pre-Mormon Sarah. Not even pre-Mormon Sarah. Just Mormon Sarah. I don't know why I threw in pre. Like journal entry. I mean, if she would have thrown in, wow, the church is true at the end, it would have been, <laughs> right? been spot on. Spot on. So you were right. Something did happen at the, the night of the wedding because Zena oh. became... <laughs> Zena became pregnant shortly after her marriage. However, she continued to feel immense guilt that she had rejected God by rejecting Joseph Smith. Oh, no. She especially felt this guilt because Joseph Smith wrote to her in a letter in October 1841, trying to explain himself about why he had kept coming to her about being married and this is a direct quote he said he had put it off 
until an angel with a drawn sword stood by me and told me that if I did not establish the principle of plural marriage upon the earth, I would lose my position and my life. Okay. Again, everyone, and this is like for us speaking who were in the church and didn't think that was weird. If a religion or prophet says that an angel came to them and threatened them with a sword and to say, I will take away all your powers if you do not marry underage women and have multiple wives, you're in a cult. Yep. That's what it is. Yep. So he's, oh God, fucking J-Dog. He just doesn't let it go. He's He's writing to her, telling her that like, Angels are threatening him, and if she doesn't become his plural wife, that he he will die. What kind of manipulative bullshit is this? I mean, it's, it's a typical white dude who's been rejected. It's like what yeah, the yeah. issue in America is right now. Like I'm totally going on a tangent, but with like these mass shootings, it's always a white guy who's been rejected. Like yeah, that's yep. what it is. That's so true. They just mm-hmm. can't handle rejection. They can't handle people not you know worshiping them and thinking that they're the best things ever so instead they're gonna be like all right well i'm gonna threaten you slash make you do something you don't want to do or even worse kill people like it's just right right so xena later recorded in her journal quote i have received a testimony for myself from the lord of this work and that joseph smith is a prophet of god given in answer to prayer so it seems like her guilt was overwhelming. And since he was pestering her so much, she prayed and uh, just gave in and was like, okay, yeah, you're the prophet. I believe you. Okay, fine. And oh, so, God. so she and J-Dog were married secretly, obviously, on October 27th, 1841. She was 20 and he was 36. Um, By that time, Joseph was married to six other women, Emma Smith, who didn't know about any of these other ones, uh, Fanny Alger, Louisa Beeman, Lucinda Pendleton Morgan, Nancy Marinda Johnson Hyde, and Clarissa Reed Hancock. He was married to all of them by 1841. Okay. Another thing I just have to point out, especially for the people who, like, really fucking piss me off, the Mormon trolls who say, like, Polygamy, because they say it because that's what we're taught, and I used to say the same thing. Polygamy only happened because Joseph Smith was taking care of the widows who their husbands had died while crossing the plains and the country and blah, 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 blah. Um, No, obviously not. Like, this woman had her own husband, was pregnant. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he coerced her by basically saying that, like, he was going to die if she did marry him Mm -hmm. for them to get married. So that whole statement that they teach us church puts out is a lie it's a lie it's a total lie and emma didn't know about these for a long time so yeah no consent there um so xena was about seven months pregnant with henry jacob's child when she married joseph so yeah like sarah said she's married she is seven months pregnant and the prophet of her church has coerced her to marry him um And it's not clear when Henry Jacobs was made aware of the wedding, but Zena and Henry uh, continued to live together as man and wife with her. And it said, quote, her marital relations with Joseph Smith were irregular. So I don't know exactly what that means. But to me, that means um, maybe they just didn't have any children together or I don't. 
I don't know, I couldn't find evidence one way or another, but I mean, we know what they were doing, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, we know what they were doing. Like, And the, the people who say, well, if there were any children from that particular wife, that must mean that they didn't have sex. Um, That's not how sex works. You know that there's lots of ways to have sex without getting pregnant. <laughs> I know America's really bad with sex education, especially in the church, but come on. We know mm-hmm. that's not how you know, having a baby works. Like that's there not are certain ways you can prevent having a kid that still involves sex. So uh-huh. And like I just this argument as well, we've we've had a Mormon troll lately that's really been hammering us on Instagram about how Joseph Smith he's so certain that Joseph Smith didn't have sex with underage girls because there's no proof of children. But it's like, first of all, like again, like Sarah just said, that doesn't prove there was no sex and secondly what about the whole thing about polygamy the whole like reason it was commanded is because you're supposed to multiply and replenish the earth right which that means have children so like which one was it what was he doing (laughs) exactly what is the reason and we know that brigham young had had you know he had statutory raped young girls because of this because they had his babies so yeah anyway okay um, so Zena's husband, Henry, was constantly called on missions to be sent away from Zena. So he served eight missions between 1839 and 1845. He was constantly gone for the church on missions. That's so, it's so icky. Mm-hmm. It just makes me think of, again, every cult that you ever learn about or like documentary that you know the keep sweet we just did with warren jeffs or any of the ones you ever watch or in the bible like Mm -hmm. those stories how they get the women is basically they send off their husbands multiple times yep they send away the men so they can take over the women Mm -hmm. so after j-dog's death in 1844 henry jacobs stood by and watched while Zena was sealed to Joseph Smith in the Nauvoo Temple by proxy. That's gotta Whoa. feel. That's gotta feel great. <laughs> and later in life, she called herself Joseph's widow. She <sighs> was pre- I know, poor Henry, right? This <laughs> um, guy. Oh. She was present at the meeting in which Brigham Young was chosen to lead the church. Later, she and others recounted that Brigham Young quote spoke with the voice and appearance of Joseph Smith on that occasion oh god yeah so because Zena believed Brigham Young to be God's chosen leader she consented when Brigham Young who was 20 years older than her claimed he acted as Joseph Smith's proxy and proposed they be married what yeah you heard that right (laughs) so I mean I'll give it to Brigham Young that's clever way to like get these women to, to marry you but also come on so like now you're saying that but it also well I'm just scratching my head it doesn't even make sense because then it's saying that this woman could be married to two separate men and sealed for eternity but maybe not because there's a loophole that Brigham Young (laughs) is Joseph Smith now like yeah yeah he's like oh Joseph's spirit is in me so just marry me so I can have sex with more women I don't know but Poor Henry is just standing there like, wait, I'm married to her. <laughs> Henry is, is like, 
in the corner every time, like, hi, um, I'm um, here. He's just, like, raising his hand, excuse me, um, I'm her husband. <laughs> it's like Arrested Development. I don't know if any of you guys watched that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it Anne? Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> um, I'm uh, here. Oh, Anne, when did you get here? That's that's Henry. Oh, yeah, Henry, when did you get here? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Zena and Brigham Young were married on February 2nd, 1846. And at this point, Brigham Young considered her civil marriage to Henry Jacobs canceled because the spiritual marriage was, was more important and more official. So, and there was no, she was never divorced from Henry, but they just told her like, oh, that marriage doesn't matter because you were married to us in the temple so you don't need to worry about henry um oh, yeah because okay. brigham young brigham young said there's quote instead of divorce quote there was another way in which a woman could leave a man if the woman preferred an, another man higher in authority and he is if he is willing to take her then there is no bill of divorce required because it is right in the sight of god so Whoa. i guess the prophet he has authority he can just take women's wives away or men's wives away <laughs> um okay so in may 1846 brigham young called henry jacobs to serve another mission to england oh my god maybe you should just be like fuck off i'm not doing another mission <laughs> hey, such a doormat um and so this was convenient because it took him a long time to get there obviously he stayed there a long time so during his absence Zena began living openly in a marital relationship with Brigham Young and continued to do so for the rest of her life. And she even had a child with Brigham Young, a daughter named Zena Presendia Young in 1850. Okay, so, so there you go. Proof to that Mormon troll. Like, yeah, they yeah. had kids. He Maybe would, like, it wasn't with Joseph Smith. It was with Brigham Young. But apparently... Joseph Smith was living inside of Brigham Young's soul, so, like, it <laughs> yeah, was his baby. Go. Yeah, he's like, Henry, fuck off to England. Zena, come live with me. Ugh. Oh, um, and so Henry obviously struggled with this. Like, he was in love with Zena. That was his wife. And so he wrote to her from England. He said, quote, the same affection is still there. I feel alone. I do not blame any person. If all is right, according to the law of the celestial kingdom of our God, Joseph. Uh, yeah, so he was just totally brainwashed and was like, well, if the prophet says so, I want to get to the celestial kingdom. So, okay, miss you, though. That's so sad. Yeah. So Zena Young joined the Mormon exodus to the Rocky Mountains, arriving in the Salt Lake Valley. Ugh, pioneer day. Pioneer day. <laughs> Um, and in Utah Territory, she would raise her two sons that she had with Henry. She would, and she would also raise her daughter that she had with Brigham Young. And she raised the four children of Brigham Young and Clarissa Marie Ross Young, who was her sister wife who had died unexpectedly. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Zena very much resisted the loss of her independence as Brigham Young drew her in physically and socially into his vast household. And she found herself very lonely once in there. She I think she liked kind of having like a bit of independence. And mm -hmm. he was like, no, nope, you do what I say now. Um, 
But she regret leaving Henry then. I know, right? But again, what could she do about it? He was sent off to England. Yeah, exactly. He had no choice. Um, so though initially she struggled to understand the morality of the practice of polygamy, she came to accept it, not because she found virtue in the practice itself, but because it came from Joseph Smith and she was so dedicated to him and I'm going to say so brainwashed and she had been groomed and she, he was like the prophet, you know, and so she just did it because her poor little brain had been groomed and also threatened to, to do it. Um, and that guilt, you know, all the yes. guilt that they put on her, like everything's on your shoulders. If you don't marry me, like it's mm. going to, all these yeah. consequences will be because of you. Uh huh. Her unwavering obedience and unquestioning faith ultimately determined her decision to be married to Joseph Smith and later to Brigham Young. To her, the decision became a test of the integrity she would show to her faith. This principle of total obedience and submission to male church leaders came to define her faith. And in her last conference of the Relief Society in October 1900, Zena Young spoke and she said, quote, Sisters never speak a word against the authorities of this church. Oh, that is so problematic. Yep. Yeah, it's like she she was head up, you know, she was um, part of the Relief Society presidency, and then she just is partaking in the oppression of her fellow women. Uh, but I think it's probably, you know, for her, the only way to to deal or slash not deal with for sure her life is to be like just keep telling yourself like yep you can't question anything you can't question anything because as soon as you start to think about it it's like fuck what did i do you know like oh right i married these two other men i have i'm taking care of their kids like i'm you know my other husband who my first husband who i actually chose to marry myself like he's in england like i bet that was like her only way to kind of cope with it it's just for sure Self. For sure, yeah. Um, uh, later in life, Zena Young commented that women in polygamous relationships, quote, expect too much attention from their husbands, and then they become sullen and morose. She explained that, oh, this is so sad, she said that, quote, a successful polygamous wife must regard her husband with indifference and with no other feeling than that of reverence. For love, we regard as a false sentiment, a feeling which should have no existence in polygamy. Oh, God, that's so sad. It's so sad. And she's just telling other women. I mean, she's a victim of this. And she's almost like creating more victims by saying like, oh, just you don't need love. Love doesn't exist. Just have indifference. Just be reverent. Just obey him and you'll get through it. How sad is that? so sad and it makes me feel like my anxiety just goes to the roof thinking about being in a situation like that like you're so Mm -hmm. trapped just numb like you're in this relationship that's intimate but you're checked out and you have you're like oh it's okay you don't have to love them like yeah it's so sad it I think it's a really big insight into how terrible polygamy was for most of these women and it if Mormons try to frame it otherwise, it's not true because this is, that would, that's a really sad life to live, you know? Yep. Uh, and they always frame it that way. Mormons always make it seem like it was just this 
mutual agreement and it wasn't sexual, wasn't anything. It was just more of like, oh, supporting the widows who, you know, husbands died on the trek. Like it was nothing, you know, intimate or sexual about it or uh, controlling. It was just to support them, which we know is not true. Not true at all, at all. So, uh, Zena Young died on August 28, 1901, at age 80. The legacy of Zena, Diantha, Huntington, Jacob Smith Young is one of obedience, diligence, and service. She was a member of a well-known circle of early Latter-day Saints, having been sealed to two presidents of the church and serving as a leader of the Mormon women in Utah. And many Utah women called her Aunt Zena, which is very cute. Wow. And uh, here's another thing, too. If she was such a prominent woman in the Mormon church, especially in the early days and had these leadership roles, isn't it interesting that the church never says, hey, look, we're progressive. We aren't sexist. We, you know, women have had powerful positions in the church. Take her, for example. They don't do that because she's an example of polygamy. Uh-huh. They don't want to yeah, if they say, oh, look, we were letting women run the run the Relief Society in 1900. They bring that up, and then you look into her life, and then you're like, oh, shit. She was married to three men, two of which were prophets, one of which they just sent away on a mission and stole, like, stole her from him. Yeah, they don't tell you about her because they don't want you to look into her. And speaking about that, on the church's website, um, like, you you can look her up, and they have a little a little bio about her explaining, like, what she did, but... It does not list, like, so it says on there that, like, she was married to Brigham Young, but it doesn't list Joseph Smith or Brigham Young as a, like, concurrent husband with Henry Jacobs. Like, there's nothing in there about the the polyandry of her being married to, to those. So shady. So yeah. shady. It does say that, like, she married... She, it says she married Henry early in life, and then it says, quote, they did not remain together. But they completely omit that Henry was only separated from Zena because Brigham Young sent him away. It, it doesn't mention that they were still married. There was never a divorce. Like, it doesn't talk about that at all. So it's completely shady. <laughs> it makes my blood boil. I hate this shit because they always, like you know, have these Mormon trolls that come or to the prophets. They're just like so manipulative and brainwashing and only say like, oh, but we are telling the truth. We talk about it on the church website. And it's like, no, but you lie about it. That's not the mm-hmm. truth. And like, I know so many Mormons used to do that. And not just with church stuff, but like, like hiding out, you know, making sure to present themselves as the most righteous as they can. They would only tell parts of a story. Yes, yes. Crazy, because I'm like, that's still a lie. Like, you're not telling me the whole story. You're manipulating how I view you by, like, leaving out huge chunks of really important details mm-hmm. that I think it's this way, when in reality, it's not. That's not the whole story. It, right, exactly. That's exactly what they do. They they don't mention in there anything about Joseph, like, threatening Zena saying yeah. if you don't marry me the angel was threatening me with a sword so we need to get married in secret by the way even though I'm already married to Emma and you're already married to Henry that, that's never talked about that wasn't on her bio they don't they leave most of that stuff out so that when you look at it if you have questions as a Mormon you look it up and you're like oh it's not that bad of course 
the ex-Mormons or the anti-Mormons, they're just angry and they're just making this stuff up. Like, that's what Ugh. they think. Yeah. Makes me so angry. Ugh. I just hate it. Like, either be either be upfront about this shit or don't, or don't have it on your website. But to, like, curate the material and the copy to make it sound as if, like, oh, it's basically just covering their asses. It's like legal you know I basically have myself by legal to be like can we get away with saying that like we're not saying this but technically we're implying this that's okay as long as it's not written in there like yeah it's like when they um on Joseph Smith and his polygamy on the gospel topics essays they say that he married um his youngest wife was just a few months shy of turning 15 like say she's 14 you fuckers she's 14 she's not like, 15 yeah it, it's so annoying how they do that and when you're in the mormon church it does it never stood out to me i didn't pick up on any of that but then no nope. i left and you can see it in almost every article or you know, excerpt from their website, I pick up on the bullshit, like, oh, you worded it this way because it sounds better, right? Yep. Yep. 100%. (laughs) So that's the story of Xena. And I just wanted to, it was just, it felt important to tell the, one of the wives stories because we hear so much about J-Dog and all of the shit that he's done. And you mentioned the wives, but they all had lives too. And I think, Sadly enough, they were pretty wretched lives because of these men, but it's important to remember them. Well done, Katie. That was so good. Like, I had no idea. I think it's really fascinating because it's a huge chunk of Mormon history that's never, ever talked about. And I'm sure you had to do quite a bit of digging and research for this because I, I mean, it's like, where do you even start to get all this information other than the church's (laughs) website and then a lot of other stuff? So, well done. I think it's Thank even you. more validation for us. Like, okay, every episode, of course, it's like more and more like, yeah, I'm so glad I'm out. But just another mm-hmm. thing that's just a reminder of like, the church is just bullshit. It's all lies. It's all <laughs> built on lies. We have yeah. the facts. We have the proof. So fuck off, not even politely or kindly, just fuck off <laughs> these people who constantly are like, you don't know anything about it. You're just bitter. And you know my favorite? <laughs> We get comments so, so often that are like, why do you, why do you have a podcast about something you know nothing about? Exactly. And I want to be like, um, we have over 175 regular full length episodes about this. If we didn't know anything about it, how could we even talk that long about it? <laughs> exactly. And also it's like, maybe listen to our podcast and see that both of us were active devout members of this church and a lot of research by Katie goes into these topics <laughs> like it's not just us pulling things out of our ass like these are personal experiences and facts so yeah yeah <laughs> yes again not even politely <laughs> no, I'm over that these days yes not- we are saying fuck politeness this days. so <laughs> a lot of f words we don't even care we don't even care yeah, <laughs> all right well thank you all so much for listening and we will talk to you next week Yep. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.